Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Coming up in this episode... Let me remind you of a certain truth. There is strength in difference. Things are never going to change, are they? You can keep a secret, can't you? Crosses will be exposed for what they are. The Norts are content to see our culture swept away. Preeti Mavahali and Kobe Erdon, exec producer and director of new BBC drama Noughts and Crosses, discuss their adaptation of Mallory Blackman's subversive young adult book series. And... You take a look around, you don't take any risks, and you report back everyone. This is Alex. Alex is bright and determined and he questions everything, but he can be impulsive and irresponsible. Anthony Horowitz and Jill Green, CEO of 11th Hour Films, talk about their upcoming TV version of the author's Alex Ryder teenage spy novels. That's all coming up in a moment, but first a rundown of some of the news from C21 Media this week. MIP TV organiser Reed Midem cancelled this year's event as a result of the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. The annual market had been scheduled to take place in Cannes from March the 30th to April the 2nd, preceded by MIP formats and MIP doc, and accompanied by drama-focused festival Cannes series. All four strands of the annual confab, which last year attracted 9,500 attendees, according to Reed, have been postponed, with Cannes series set to be part of MIP in October and MIP TV, MIP formats and MIP doc set to return in April next year. In the current context, many of our clients have expressed concerns about travelling at this time. Rescheduling MIP TV in the coming months is not feasible, so the most appropriate course of action is to cancel MIP TV for 2020, said Reed Midem CEO Paul Zilk. The news spread quickly on Wednesday evening with buyers and sellers acting swiftly to try and mitigate the impact on their businesses. ITV Studios owned Armosa Formats announced a two-week-long virtual networking event dubbed Armosa Fest, allowing its sales team to connect with clients and offer exclusive previews of upcoming shows. Others, such as ProSieb and Satines's Red Arrow Studios International, pledged to use similar online screening and virtual meeting technology to do likewise. But with Reed under unprecedented pressure this year after distributors including Entertainment One, Fremantle, Banerjee and ITV Studios pulled out prior to the crisis, some questioned whether the cancellation may raise deeper questions about the validity of the April market. We'll look at other ways of taking our meetings and continuing our conversations with buyers. Kieran Doherty, joint MD of Sony Pictures television-backed Stellify Media, told C21. The fact that business will survive the loss of MIP TV relatively unscathed adds weight to the argument that once a year is plenty, he added. Danny Fenton, CEO of London-based indie ZigZag, said it is certainly a blow to the future of MIP TV. Whether it's the knockout blow is too early to call just now. The coronavirus is causing plenty of disruption elsewhere within the industry, with Disney cancelling two events planned this week in the UK to promote the European launch of streaming service Disney+. Plus. Fox pulled out of the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecoms Conference, which took place in San Francisco on Wednesday, while Apple, Netflix and Amazon also cancelled planned screenings at the South by Southwest Festival, scheduled for next week in Austin, Texas. 
UK broadcaster ITV said it expects total advertising revenue to be down 10% in April, partly due to deferred payments relating to the postponed release of the latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Chief Executive Carolyn McCall said the company is looking at contingency plans for every area of its business, including the potential cancellation of the 2020 UEFA European Football Championship this summer. ITV is already experiencing disruption as a result of the outbreak's impact on the Six Nations Rugby Championship and broadcasters all around the world, including NBC in the US, are braced for the possible cancellation of the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. That's just some of the stories from C21 Media this week. Visit our website for plenty more. Noughts and Crosses is a new TV adaptation of a series of young adult novels of the same name by British author Mallory Blackman. First published in 2001, the books offer a dystopian vision of the 21st century where racial discrimination continues to fester, but the twist is that the stereotypical black and white roles are reversed. The first episode in a six-part TV version aired on BBC One last night. The series comes from ITV Studios' own Mammoth Screen, Jay-Z's Rock Nation and Participant Media. I sat down with executive producer Preeti Mavahali and director Kobe Adom for a C21 TV video interview you can watch on our site now. Here's an extract. Notes and Crosses is an adaptation of a Mallory Blackman novel. It's the first novel in a whole novel series that has got a huge fan base in the UK. It tells the story of Callum and Sefi, who are young people who have fallen in love, who've known each other uh, for a long time. They meet again and now they develop a new relationship with each other, but it's a relationship that's not allowed in this world. Callum is a young white boy who is known as a naught in this world and he's part of the underclass and Sefi is the daughter of a really powerful cross politician and their families and society just don't allow the relationship. I've been a fan of the Noughts and Crosses novels for a long time. As soon as I came to Mammoth Screen, it was the first thing I wanted to option the rights for to adapt for television. Um, it took some time to persuade Mallory to um, to allow us to take the rights to adapt it. She'd had a number of experiences in film that weren't successful. But once we did that, we went on quite a long um, process to develop and adapt the novel for screen. Um, the biggest difference that we made is to age up the characters because the books are written for teenagers and they're quite young in the books but we've aged them up to about 19 in our adaptation. Um, we I pitched it to the BBC a long time ago and because of um, the huge fan base of the books and the power of the premise and that Romeo and Juliet love story, they're very keen to support us. So we were in development with BBC right from the beginning. Um, they've been supportive for the whole process. We shot in South Africa. We hired two directors and the second of which was Kobe. Obviously I knew about the book. I grew up on the book, you know, sort of read it in secondary school, read it myself. It really shaped who I was as a person, if you know what I mean. So when it came full circle and I got, you know, the call saying, oh, you know, we want to meet you for Noughts and Crosses, I went running, you know, there wasn't any two ways about it. Um, and since then, honestly, it's been a magical project. And, you know, Mammoth are a great company, the BBC are great, you know, loads of support for me as a young filmmaker as well, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's such a beautiful story, beautifully told, 
that it's not the hardest, it's not a hard project to work on. You know, you really enjoy sort of bringing it to the forefront and you really want an audience to, to attach themselves to it the same way we are. We always knew that the story would be set in the UK or what is known as Albion in our world and that was very very crucial to the novels and we wanted to protect that but ultimately a world that has had 2,000 years of change history is never going to look like the London as we know it. So we considered shooting in London but then so really when you start thinking about it you it wouldn't be any of London as, as it looks now so you end up changing all of the London that you're going to be shooting in so we thought that doesn't really make a huge amount of sense so we looked into shooting in Africa and I think South Africa has a really good infrastructure, it has the tax rebate, it also has a mix, you know, colonial history of its own, a complicated history of its own that has a mix of, e of, of uh, Europe and Africa that felt right. So having gone there for the first sort of initial record, we felt pretty confident that actually that would give us the right foundation to then work on um, the rest of the design, the choice of the locations, and then feed into every other department in terms of making the show. It's a bold piece of commissioning from the BBC, and I feel really blessed that they've been so supportive throughout the process, and we've been developing with BBC for more than five years, I guess. Um, I think the TV landscape maybe 10 years ago was very different, and I don't think that the scale ambition of what we were seeing could have matched what we were trying to aim for now. Um, it's interesting in that Mallory, recently said to me that when she wrote the book she thought that 20 years later they just wouldn't be relevant anymore and I think the sad truth is that they actually feel more topical than ever which is a difficult thing to really sort of accept but it feels like the time is now for the show to be out there. I think the show couldn't actually be coming out at a better time and I think again it's because we, we live in a time now in the world actually not just the UK where um, a lot of black talent in all departments are doing really well, if you know what I mean. So sort of like colliding with sort of this world that we're proposing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, and also for another thing to consider is the amount of actors in the show who are black. You know, it's sort of like, you know, I don't know if five years ago there was that many actors who had the chance to, you know, be professional actors to even be sort of scouted by Noots and Crosses. So I think, you know, this was a very timely project, I have to say, sort of literally just sort of like weaved in with what's happening today. So I think it's, it's, it's a great project, definitely. From one set of young adult novels to another rather different one. Alex Ryder is a teenage spy created by prolific author Anthony Horowitz, whose long list of credits includes writing stints on Poirot, Midsummer Murders and the long-running series Foil's War, which he created and developed together with producer wife Jill Green, chief executive of 11th Hour Films. The couple have teamed up again on the TV version of Alex Ryder, which Sony Pictures Television has fully financed. Broadcast or streaming partners have yet to be announced, but C21 editorial director Ed Waller sat down with the pair for another video interview you can watch in full on our site now. Here's an extract from that. Wayne Garvey at Sony uh, approached us uh, uh, with an interest in um, us producing these books for television, which was exciting because we've always felt that there was a bigger story to tell, a big coming-of-age story as well as an action uh, drama series. And of course, the book is a very famous brand, so that was also very exciting. And then there were conversations that Sony said that they were happy to also take the risk and fully fund this show for the first time ever. The first season is Point Blank, which is the second book in the ser series. and. Um, 
What we've done is we have gone back to the origins of what turns this schoolboy, this ordinary teenager, into a spy. And we've, we've had to go over that ground again, but in a fresh and a rather different way. Um, and that's our entry point into it. It's discovering that his uncle that he's lived with all his life was a spy, that you know, Alex has been lied to since he was a child. That's the beginning. And then into that comes the demand for him to go to this weird school, point blank high up in the French Alps, where somebody is planning something and kids are, 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 are behaving in a very strange sort of way. And so you then move into the adventure side of it as well well. And I think what's great about it is, is that over the eight episodes, it's a, it's a coming together of those two very different worlds, the world of the ordinary kid coming to terms with the lies that he's been told of a new life that he has to create for himself with just a straightforward action adventure. Will the bad guys get away with it? Can he somehow stop them? I made the decision very early on that I wouldn't write the scripts myself. Um, I'm busy. I've just finished the 13th Alex Ryder novel, Nightshade, which is 100,000 words long, so I'm up to here with Alex at the moment. But also, I really thought that a fresh perspective would be helpful, a new pair of eyes to come in and, and shake the book around a bit. Adapting your own work is always problematic because you think you've got it right perfectly the first time, so why are you changing it? Um, so we were very lucky to get Guy Burt, who is a BAFTA award-winning writer, who agreed to come in and to take the books on, uh, or point blank on anyway. And um, for me, Although it was not easy to, to, to pass it across and to lose control, although I have remained an EP on the project, um, I saw very, very quickly that he, he knew exactly what was wanted, that he had a wonderful understanding of the main character of Alex, more importantly of Alex's best friend Tom and Jack, who is the housekeeper who looks after Alex. And he brought something to the table which actually reflects itself now. In writing the new book, I find myself writing in his style some of the time. So I'm very, very happy with the way our TV series has been developed. And the tone is very key, I think. So that was something also that Guy, well, and Anthony as well, were able to address, we, which is... We've determined from the start that this is not going to be children's TV. No, exactly. This is, this is a mainstream show. This is a broad appeal. So, uh, you know, we, there's a huge fan base. Of course, the books have sold 19 million around the world. Uh, but we also know it, it's, it can be a grown-up uh, fan base there as well as teenagers. My experience is, because don't forget I have been here before, is that if you stay true to the spirit of the books and you don't change the things that everybody recognises and loves, Alex Ryder never has a gun. That's just one of the rules, the house rules, in the whole series of, I think, in book 12, he finally got his hands on a gun, just once. And so if you'd given Alex a gun in the first one, or if he'd driven a car, that doesn't play well with what the fans expect. But you know, Jill and, and the company and Sony have been so respectful of the property, my property, that the pleasure for me has been to be able to take a back seat and know that Alex is in good hands. Anthony Horowitz and Jill Green, talking about their new Alex Ryder TV series. Remember, you can watch the full video version of that interview featuring clips of the show on our website now. That's all for the podcast this week. Until next, stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.